whether you're a Packer fan or you're a Viking fan, neither can both have the victory unless their faith is in Jesus, okay? So just uh, keep that in mind if you're uh, getting too rabid about the game results. So last week we talked about what I call North Star Living. That is just as the ancient mariners would look to the North Star because it didn't move in the night sky and use that to navigate and know where true north was and know where they were going. So even so in Jesus Christ, who is our North Star, who we gaze at to help us navigate spiritually through this world where things seem to be constantly changing and going different directions. And yet he never changes. In fact, the author of Hebrews will say this in chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that he doesn't change his mind about whether he loves you? Whether he changes his mind whether he's going to forgive you? Whether he changes his mind about whether he's going to He's going to be your advocate before the Father. Whether He's going to direct you, provide for you, give you His grace. No, He does not change. He is the same and will always remain the same. And so because of that, this is Paul's instruction to us in, in Colossians 3, verses 1-4 through 4, as we looked at last week. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. If you have been raised up with Christ, if you have put your faith in his redeeming work, that he came and lived a life that you could not live, he died to pay a debt you could not pay, and rose from the dead and conquered a, a foe you could not conquer, if your faith is in Him, then you are raised up with Him. And because of that, you can set your eyes on Him, on things above. And it changes everything. It changes where I set my heart and my mind. You see, the earthly things around me are not the ultimate value or the ultimate reality. It changes where my hope is because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. There's nothing that's not... It, not in his control. There's nothing that he can't do as far as accomplishing his purposes. And it changes where we look for life. As in verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life? And by the way, if you're in the habit of underlining, that is a phrase that should be underlined in your Bible. When Christ, who is your life? Underline, because Christ is your life. Then you will also appear with him in glory. See, again, our temptation is to think that life comes from the creation rather than from the Creator. He gives us His life, a spiritual reverse, a rebirth. He has come to live within us. He gives us eternal life, and we will appear with Him in His glorious return. It also involves changing our nature as we actively take off our old man. And that manifests itself in things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is listed in verse, in verse 5 and verse 8 ridding ourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from our lips, but we now put on the new man that is being renewed in the image of its creator. And it changes my identity forever. 
rather than looking to the earthly things I seek to find my identity in. Whether that's my ethnic and background or nationality, now there is no Jew or Greek. Excuse me, Gentile, Gentile or Jew. There is no, it might change my spiritual background from un, from circumcised to uncircumcised. Cultural background, barbarian or Scythian. Social, economic, slave or free. Because Christ is all and is in all. Jesus came to replace our earthly identities with our identity in him. So this is where we pick things up in part two of this North Star living. We set our gaze on things above, on him. But it has implications, as we've seen, for how we live our life here below. Particularly how we, what I call North Star gazers, interact with one another. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 12 in chapter 3 here in Colossians. So let me pray, and then we'll look into God's Word today. But Jesus, thank you for that reminder that we have the victory in you. We have life in you. We have hope in you. And so, Lord, because you've come to seek and save the lost, to totally repurpose us for your purposes, would you give us eyes now to see and how you would have us respond to one another. How you would have us receive the grace that you've given us and extend it to one another. So Lord, take your word and let it plant itself deep in our hearts and bear fruit. Send forth your word, Lord, and let it bear the fruit, the result that you want to have. We know that it will not be proclaimed in vain. We trust in that. So Lord Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, North Star living is anchored in the grace work of Christ. I just read off three things about if you have been raised up with Christ, then you are someone who is chosen. Chosen by God. A chosen person to be his own. Theologians call it being elect. To be one of his people. Be one of his own. Ephesians, Paul explains it this way. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The doctrine of election or being chosen is something that is Shrouded in mystery, and it's something that theologians have argued over for centuries because it's not really clear why God chooses us, save for the fact He does it for His own good pleasure. He delights to choose us for His own self. And the thing is, it's not because we deserve it, not because we have earned it, not because we're good enough or we have something to offer. The truth of the matter is, in Earlier in the same letter, 
Paul says that we are alienated from God in verse chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 21. We are his enemies. Our behavior is evil. That is, we're contrary to his very nature. And yet, because of Jesus, he chooses us. We were stuck. There's nothing we could do. But it is an amazing thought that God would choose his enemies to make them his people, to make them his children, to make them his own. And it is all about grace. About his grace. The next adjective he uses is that we're holy. And that goes along with the thought of being chosen. Holy means that we are set apart or repurposed, if you will, for God's purpose purposes. And there's a moral purity that's found there, but that moral purity is not our own. It's the Lord Jesus's. It's been given to us. It's been imputed to us, as theologians would say. Again, it has nothing to do with our ability to please a holy God. But because of what Jesus has given to us, his holiness, we can stand before a holy God in a righteous state. And number, again, it's grace. And number three, we are dearly loved. Dearly loved or beloved. Again, not based on whether you can be a good girl or a good boy. Not based on keeping the rules or performance. It's solely based on your position in Christ Jesus being covered by his blood. The Apostle John remarks on this in his first letter. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the sons, the daughters of God. It's solely based on what Jesus has done. And do you ever wrestle with that thought? That you are loved not because of anything you can do, not of anything you can offer God, just because he has set his love upon you in Jesus Christ. It is an amazing thought. It is an awesome thought. I think the closest thing that we, we come to is maybe if, for those of us who've had the privilege to become parents, right? Because that child is born and he or she has done nothing to earn or merit our love or affection. And yet somehow God gives us great love for that newborn child. It is an amazing thing to be beloved. These are things that we need to meditate on, get deep down into our soul. And those things aren't quickly digested, folks. I mean, it happens. You can list them off one, two, three. You know, chosen, holy, dearly loved. Let's keep going. No, you have to. You have to. Some. You have to simmer there a little bit. You've got to simmer there. You got to stay there for a while, because what happens next? is a high calling, and if you don't have that foundation, it's really difficult to do the next step. Because those who've been chosen, holy, and dearly loved, now God, our Father, and Jesus Christ calls us to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience to bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues to put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. You see, North Star Living is to reflect the compassion, forgiveness, and the love we have received in Christ. It's to reflect the compassion, love that we have received in Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been disappointed with somebody in the church? Anybody? How many of you have been annoyed with someone in the church? Maybe you've seen pride or apathy or selfishness or hypocrisy. Maybe someone has hurt you, been unkind to you. Maybe you've been that person. And perhaps we're surprised because we have an expectation of Christians, right? They're supposed to be a new creation. Why can't they be acting more like Jesus? Maybe we even become cynical and think it's not real. It's phony. It's fake. But here's the truth. When we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, God starts a process of sanctification. That is to make us more like Jesus, and it is a lifelong process. So no matter how long you've been following Jesus, there's always more that God has to refine in us and through us. And guess where that laboratory of refinement is? It's in the church. It's in the body. As we do life together, as we rub shoulders together, as we interact with each other week in, week out, day in, day out. It's the local church. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a member of that church. And in verse 15 it says, we are called to to be at peace with one another. That peace is not just a peaceful, easy feeling, if you will, but rather in how we rightly relate to one another. How are we related to each other? Because we are called to be God's people and to be at peace. How does that happen? I think some of this starts out with authenticity. I think it starts out with not pretending that we have it all together and that we've arrived. And to stop expecting that honestly of each other. We're a community of saints. But we're a community that is still sins. And if we hang out with each other long enough, you're going to see my feet of clay, I'm going to see yours. We're going to see each other's faults. We're going to see each other's foibles. We might hurt and disappoint each other. Frankly, it's a lot like marriage. A lot like marriage. But here at Breen Community Church, here in our Sunday school classes, in our Life Together groups, we want to be a people that extend God's grace to one another because we have received it from our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I clothe myself. I put on Jesus' heart. A heart of compassion. A heart that says, I feel for you. Literally, it means to have your bowels moved for somebody. Have that feeling, but that inner gut feeling of compassion that your heart goes out for that, that person. Empathy, sympathy. To feel for them. To put myself in their shoes. Say, I want to understand. 
and to know that they need the Lord and to know that maybe there are some hurts or some injuries there that I might not be aware of, but to still have compassion for them. To have a, a heart of kindness toward them. An attitude of doing what is good or beneficial for that person. Again, sympathetic, but seeking to do what is the best consideration and how that will be received. If someone has a, say, a financial need, and we can meet that, maybe to do that in private or in secret rather than do it in public, because I want to be kind to them. Humility. Not false humility. Saying, oh, I'm such a worm. No, you're a great person. Well, thank you. Not that. No, that's just, that's looking to, to garner praise. But rather, not making much of yourself. A person that is self-forgetful, if you will, and does not look down on others with pride, but they have a realization, if indeed you get to be an extension of God's grace toward that person, you're still in need of God's grace yourself every day. And any good and perfect thing that you have received is from the Father of lights, from above. And gentleness, to be courteous, considerate, not rough, not callous, not unfeeling in dealing with faults and foibles. And the words, I told you so, are not the first thing that you say. And then last of all, patience. That is, enduring, long-suffering, putting up with, hanging in there with somebody even as you receive their unkindness or deal with their sin and their setbacks. Patience. Hanging in there. I'm going to hang in there even though you're trying to push me away. Verse 13. This is where patience is fortified. To bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, North Star Living understands that Jesus came not only to reconcile us to a holy God, but to reconcile us to one another. That's part of it. That's part of it. And there is an expectation that I will need grace, and I will need to give grace. Paul takes it even further in verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Each one of these virtues is like a gem. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. They're like a gem that's put into a ring. The ring of love. Love is the thing that holds them all together. To love because you've experienced the love of Christ. In fact, Jesus has an expectation that we would love with each other. He says this in John 13, 25. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's the truth of the matter. Real life in the church is not us learning to 
behave perfectly amongst each other. Always having the right answer. Always having the right response. In fact, it might get quite messy. It might get quite messy. Real love is worked out when things, not when things go along famously, but when things are in conflict, or in clash, or in calamity. Our natural feeling is not love at all. But when we put on Christ and love one another with all of those facets. And when the watching world looks in, it sees that we're not a people that is trying to pay each other back for our offenses. It sees that we're not a people that are holding a grudge because we are people of grace and we're not cutting off relationships with one another because we're committed to working it out in this body that God has put us in. You and I did not get to choose the family we were born into. And while we may still think think about it, you don't really get to choose the spiritual family you were born into. Because God is the one who selects them and brings them in. And yet, we are called to extend that grace and love toward each other. It's a God who is directing us. Again, it's, it's not easy. Because it's a supernatural thing. It is putting on Jesus again. And letting him do his work in us and through us. As well as continuing to re- realize the tremendous debt that we have to him and the grace that has been given to us. And it might even be a reality check to help us grow up a little bit too. Maybe if we're people that find ourselves being petty, easily offended, keeping score of perceived offenses. Ah, oh, Brian gave me a dirty look. I don't know about that. Or, you know, a conversation that didn't go as well as you hoped. The answer you were hoping for didn't come. Or it was just awkward. The perception that that person doesn't like you. You looked at them and they didn't wave back. And I'm just going to tell my own story. I'm a part of a, a fellowship of pastors here in town called the EPF, Evangelical Pastors Fellowship. And I really appreciate those men. But there was really an awkward moment for me one time where there was this, this guy and I'd see him at the gym, you know, and I'd, I'd wave at him and he would like ignore me. Going, Does he not like me? What's going on here? And, you know, I'd be on my Stairmaster. And, you know, finally, I just, I, I confronted him. I said, hey, have I, have I offended you somehow? And he said, no. He said, man, I, man, I've got my earphones on. I got them up at cranked, you know, it goes to 11. You know, you got to, I got to crank to 11 here. I am just, you know, I am in my zone and I just kind of get tunnel vision. Right? Man, no, I'm so grateful. And, you know, I mean, totally changed. And now he, he waves to me all the time. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, my perception was, man, he hates me. You know, and, you know, I went to him. But nevertheless, to extend grace toward one another, that is what God is calling us to do and and even if 
even if that is the purpose of that other person, to extend grace and forgiveness toward that person. I just want to ask, are you growing more as a grace giver in your own heart and life as you deal with perceived offenses, if you will? Well, number three, North Star Living is also to remind each other of the truth of the grace that we have received. Pick it up at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, there's a reason why we have chosen the name Bereans as our, our moniker, if you will. We want to be like the Bereans that are found in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. We want to receive God's message with eagerness. But we also want to look into the scriptures to see that these things are so. I think that is a great value. It keeps us focused on our North Star, if you will. Because God's word tells us the truth about ourselves and it tells us the truth about who he is. We need to continue to get God's word in our heads, in our hearts, in our conversation. And as you can see, we have a commitment to teach this to one another. Because this is a big book. There's a lot in it. And digesting it is not easy. It covers thousands of years, really, from the beginning. And so there's a lot to take in. We teach it because there's a lot to absorb. But we also teach one another because I need the perspective that God has given you as you look at his word. I know how I see it. Sometimes I need my eyes opened up how the Christ in you is seeing the word of God and Revealing himself to you and revealing and ultimately revealing himself to the body. Also, there's a, a facet of admonishing, literally to appeal to the mind, to one another with all wisdom. Whether that is warning a brother and sister who's going down the wrong pathway, a pathway of destruction, or just reminding each other of the truth in a world that's full of distraction and distortion. The goal here is not gaining more knowledge, not more Bible trivia, but a life of worship lived as unto him, to our North Star, filled with wisdom, the reality of what's contained in the Psalms. Do so with all wisdom in Psalms. I don't know what comes to mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Whether it is be still and know that I am God. Whether it is apart from Him, I have no good thing. My own personal thought about the Psalms. Again, we need to be reminded of those things. And in hymns, a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. In spiritual songs, 
Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place or I walk in the wilderness. Blessed be your name. I'm not rattling these things off to play a game of name that tomb, folks. I'm bringing these things out before you because these are things that we need to, these are realities that we need to hide in our heart as we go through life. And we need to remind each other of those things. And all that based in God's revealed word. It helps us keep our eyes fixed on our North Star. And ultimately, our response is that of worship, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Whether that be out loud or whether it's just the attitude of your heart. But we have much to be thankful for. And a life that flows into worship. And here's how it concludes in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You see, North Star living is ultimately about living for our North Star. Doing what I do in His name. So a watching world will think well of our Lord Jesus Christ. and Letting Him live in me and through me. And giving thanks to Him. Because I have much to be thankful for. You know, in a world that is really good at complaining, maybe we need to be people who are giving thanks and letting people see that there is a God that's worth giving thanks to. So today I just want to remind you that North Star Living Again is anchored in the grace that we have received from God. And North Star Living is about extending that grace to one another in the body, being committed to that love, compassion, forgiveness with one another, and ultimately reminding each other of the truth of the grace that we have received. And next week we're going to talk about just how that works itself out, not only in the body, but also in our families. We'll talk about that. Because that's where it needs to be exemplified the most. So let me pray for us, and I'll invite the worship team up to close us today. Jesus, I thank you that you came to change everything. You came, Lord, to reconcile us again to a holy God, and you came to reconcile us to each other. So would you give us grace again to keep our eyes fixed on you, to remember the grace that we have received, Grace that says that we are chosen. That says that we are holy. That says that we are deeply loved. And let that spill over into how we treat one another. We're grateful. And let us be thankful not only in this house, but in the world around us. That the people who are around us may see that we're grateful to a good Heavenly Father who has chosen us to be his own, and wants to make others part of the family, part of those who will be chosen, holy, and dearly loved. We're grateful. Lord Jesus, as we pray these things.